1: Once
2: upon a morning, there was a freshly brewed McCafe coffee. It was made with 100% Arabica beans, yet something was missing. Fear not, in the distance, a sausage McMuffin with egg rides toward the sunrise in quest for breakfast. The perfect pair met at McDonald's, and mornings were happy forever after. Right now, get $1 any size coffee and a $2 sausage McMuffin with egg off the $123 menu. Prices and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Love Talk Radio Oh mama, I'm in fear for my life From the long arm of the law Got miles to go before we sleep men is putting into my running And I'm so far from my home Who will not go home. gently we're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, Mama, I can hear you are crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. I'd like to play football. It's coming down from the gallows, and I don't have their ears.
3: In Hamlet, the big line was, there's something rotten in the state of Denmark. Well, William Shakespeare has never been to a Pittsburgh Steelers game in Oakland because there was definitely something rotten in the state of California and now the state of Pennsylvania because that's where the Pittsburgh Steelers have sulked back home after a 24-21 Feet at the hands of the 2 and 10, now the 3 and 10, Oakland Raiders. Let's just get it out of the way. Ugh! A collective ugh! Hello, friends. Once again, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. Along with me is Anthony Defio. We have a cast of great characters coming in on the phone lines to discuss behind the still curtains Steelers' hangover it's the show where we relive the game from the day before and see how actually hungover we are. And this is one that I want to still be sleeping after that Oakland yesterday. Oh, I I cannot say enough how disgusted I am. And my friend, Tony, you said it to me perfect before we got on the show. We're going to sound like a broken record. Well, Cue up the record, my friend. What's going on, Tony? How you feeling?
1: Last night. Uh, it's good to be with you as always, but uh, yikes to keep doing this week after week at this time of year. I wasn't expecting that after 7-2-1, that's for sure. And I certainly didn't expect uh, them to go into Oakland with everything that was out on the line and, and, and perform the way they did. It's just... I have no words anymore other than like you said it's a broken record. Well, you know,
3: there are a lot of knee jerk reactions going on right now. Um I published knee jerk reactions. The comments section was uh full of bitterness. Let's just uh let's just be nice and say it that way, but oh it was ugly. What is your knee jerk reaction? What was your knee jerk reaction yesterday around seven thirty eight PM Eastern Standard Time, Tony?
1: It was it was my reaction was I, I kind of have a, that same old feeling that I had in 09 and 012. It, it kind of feels like they're in a spiral that they can't get out of. You know, I mean, like my common teams, the good teams, they always start playing well this time of year. The bad teams, the ones that don't make the playoffs, they always seem to find that this time of year is when they always start playing poorly and they they never get out of it until it's too late. And, and you have a that feeling that that it's going to be too late by the time they get out of this little spiral, and that might not be till Week 17 against the Bengals, and that might not be good enough this year.
3: Well, you know what? It might not be. And uh, we talked about, you just mentioned that 2019. This is almost nine years to the day. I'm um, actually three days over. December sixth, two 2009, was the famous Unleash Hell game. And uh, how we're going to unleash hell here in December. Well, hell has been unleashed. But we flipped into it, if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And it is just absolutely ugly. Um, Lots of Steelers fans, you know, they were disgusted after the Denver game, but they got it. You know, I mean, coming off a winning streak, it's fine. They were just completely demoralized after the Los Angeles Charger game because of the way you blew that lead. But when you blow a third lead in a row in three consecutive games against a very beleaguered opponent, against guys that have been sitting on the couch, against tight ends that have not caught touchdown passes in years. There's something rotten. Fans are incensed now when you lose to Oakland in that manner. But it's not just the usual. way. Yes, yes. Mike Tomlin mismanaged the clock again. Yes, Chris Boswell missed another crucial kick. Yes, the Steelers blew a lead again. But they did it in a way that we haven't seen. And one act by the coach, who I am usually, I'm usually very protective of, or maybe a lack of an act by the coach for not putting your star quarterback back in the game is
0: irreprehensible
3: to me. The clock management was one thing, but letting Ben Roethlisberger stand on the sidelines, that is completely wrong, and that costs the game. You can talk about Chris Boswell all you want. You can talk about the defense just choking and not being able to protect a lead all you want, but when Mike Tomlin says, yeah, he could have been cleared, but we were in the flow of the game, I don't know what the heck that means, Tony.
4: Somebody uh, yeah,
1: it. I sure can't explain because if if he meant that he wanted to keep the flow of punts and turnovers going, then then kudos to him. But but other than yeah, that, it, it made sense. no sense. Yeah, and 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 if he was ready to come back in the game at halftime, why wasn't he? You know why? Or I'm sorry, if he wasn't ready to come back, if he was ready to come back in with five minutes left in the game, why wasn't he ready to come back in with fifteen minutes left to go in the third quarter? Nine minutes, whenever he came back from the locker room. I mean, he's your, he's your most important player. He's your biggest reason for being a contender. And it's the most important game of the season because they said yesterday was the start of the playoffs, and yet you, you're you leaving him on the sideline when he looked perfectly fine. Uh, it, it, with a four-point lead, it, it, it just didn't make any sense to me at all. And it's, it's indefensible. You can't defend Tom in this week. I don't care how much you support him. It's hard to defend him this week.
3: Okay, I'm going to go really simple here, and I want to talk more about – I mean, we have to talk more about the Ben program, mike Tomlin thing. Um, that, that's going to be the theme of the show. Um, the main theme of the show is, is it time to go ahead and throw in the terrible towel, or should do we still have reason to keep on believing? We'll talk about that as well. Uh, but once again, remember, the show was brought to you by Behind the Steel Curtain for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs, and there's a lot of them right now. Anything you want to hear about the Steelers, it is on there. It's breaking news. It's commentary, and there's a lot of commentary right now, too. There's a lot of venom going out. And uh, maybe maybe I'm just looking at it wrong. Um, grades posted today. I went ahead and posted the grades, and i got to tell you, defense, F. We're not even going to deliberate. Maybe just – Defense F. And the reason defense F, I know there's some bright spots. Special teams, F as well. Um, We'll get to the offense in a second. Um, I do like the bright spots of the defensive line, and I like the outside linebackers. Um, But everything else, you cannot keep a lead. Three weeks in a row, there is something completely wrong. A head has got to roll, and the first head that's going to roll has got to be Keith Butler. I know they don't do it now. They typically don't do it now, but something's got to be done. Steeler Nation wants action, and for once, I want action. I usually don't call for anybody to be fired. I don't want anybody to want me to be fired at my job, but come on. this is Enough is enough. So, Tony, are we going to go ahead and give the defense an ask?
1: We certainly are. I mean, when you when you – uh, for three weeks in a row, when you can't hold a lead in the fourth quarter, and and yesterday three and a half quarters, you, you look perfectly fine on defense, you know not perfect but good enough to win. And then the last two drives, you let them effortlessly effortlessly go down the field, and and no contested passes that I even remember except for the one that Burnett had on third down and the next to last play. Uh, you know every tight every pass there, every tight end was, was wide open. I mean it just it just didn't, it, it was awful and if you can't hold the lead in the fourth quarter that's the worst time in the game not to be able to hold a lead so yeah I give him an F for sure
3: special special teams once again crappy but you know you know Ryan Switzer's a bright spot they didn't give up they didn't have the penalties like they had the past weeks so that's a bright spot for luck when you have a kicker I don't care if he lost his footing it was the way he was setting up um you still missed – you had that kick blocked. You still really missed the other kick. Um, once again, wide right again. Chris Boswell, Tony, is it time for him to go?
1: I think so because, like you talked about in week one, that, that kick he missed against Cleveland, that was the first time he missed a kick in a crucial situation, and I don't think it's, he's ever been, been able to overcome that. It's just a mental issue now, and, and, and this is no time – to be screwing around with a kicker when your season's on the line and you don't know if he's going to make a, uh, even an extra point at this, at this point. So yeah, I think it's time to move on. You know, somebody suggested today that maybe you put him on IR with a phantom injury because you have so much invested in financially and you bring an, another kicker in. If that's the way they want to go, fine. If they don't want to cut ties with them completely, but you've got to get a new kicker in here right now and, 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 and take your chances over the last three weeks. Cause this is, this is just, it's gone on too long and it's time it's time for them to make a move.
3: Well you know what, I I like the kid. I he seems like a great kid. He has been very solid for this team, but maybe he's he just can't get over that kick. I don't know what it yeah. is, but it's five extra points missed and they almost missed another one. In fact, mm-hmm. he might have been better off if we would have missed that other one. That one going in, if that doesn't go in, they had a better chance to win the game um, at that point, because you know why? Then they're kicking that field goal, and they're not desperate to go for a touchdown. I mean, but then you know, you're playing for overtime, and that's just wrong. But five extra points missed. Six field goals missed, and that one cost the game again. You know, so it's just, this just cannot keep happening. Something's got to give. You know what? Nation wants a head on a platter at this point, and I maybe that's a mob mentality that we don't need to have, but we just want to know that somebody's doing something. Does Does Art Rooney not care anymore? Does Does Art Rooney too not care? I I don't know. I mean, how is he feeling about this? This well, can't can... be sitting well.
1: No, it can't. It can't be sitting well at all. I mean. Their expectations are, are to go at least to the AFC Championship game every year, and as an organization. And if if you're going to uh, blow a, a seven-two-and-one uh, record and, and not and miss the playoffs totally, I can't imagine Art II not wanting to make some major changes this year and not wanting uh, Mike Commens to answer some very tough questions. So I think it has weekly or has if they don't make the playoffs this year, or if they're one and done in the playoffs, I think you're going to have some uh, pretty revealing comments from Art 2nd in his annual uh, debriefing in January. Do you realize,
3: Tony, that the Browns could win the AFC North still? It's possible. Yeah, two
1: games back. Yeah, yeah, they're I, still in it. I mean,
3: oh goodness gracious! They they win out. If they win out, it's possible for them to win that division, and I. Yeah, a part of me would be like, you know, serves you right. Uh, yeah, but you know, yeah. the question I had for you earlier is: is it time to throw in the towel? Because I'm not a throw in the towel type of guy. It's feeling awfully close, but I still think you gotta keep believing. You don't jump off the bandwagon until until they're out of the playoffs. That's what I think. But what's What's everyone else thinking? Are they dead in the water at this point?
1: Well, I mean, it's crazy that that we're talking like this in, in a way because they are still in first place in the AFC North, and they still control their own fate. They don't need anybody's help. So so technically you can't throw in the towel. You have to keep believing because there's still games to play, and they still have – like I said, they still control their own fate. So uh, until until they don't, then maybe – you have to keep having the faith but it's it's getting hard <laughs> to to keep the, to keep having the faith because of the way they've been playing the last few weeks the way they've lost these last three games it's really it's hard to imagine them being able to overcome that and 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 even make the playoffs at this point but again they do have they are in first place so we have to keep believing until it's mathematically impossible to, to keep believing i think at this point
3: well, I'm the kind of guy that if they're one in one in fourteen, I'm still watching that last game, and I'm watching every other one too. That's just how I am. That's how my fandom goes. Um, I'd be anxious to see, and everybody we talk to on the phone, we're going to ask that question: Is it time to throw in the terrible towel? Um, I don't think so. I still want to keep on believing. I keep on thinking that there's something deep down in there, but I want to see some kind of some kind of action some kind of offering that they still care, whether it be management, whether it be the team. I need to see something. Um, with that being said, I, Tony, you're going to agree with me on this one. We need we some veto, don't you think?
1: Yes. If anybody can can, can bring some sense and bring some calm uh, to this, it's, it's a veto. So let's <laughs> hope he hasn't turned into terrible as hell yet.
3: Vito, we need your A game, buddy. We need some help here.
4: Gentlemen.
3: Give it to good us. Good evening.
4: How are you? Well, I've been listening to you guys, and I've been reading a lot of the blog posts, and it seems like there's a lot of different things that are going on that are causing these problems the last three weeks. I was listening to uh, Steelers' uh, show today, the one that's on Steelers.com, and they made a good point. Pittsburgh should have won all three of those games. They won every one of those games. The first game against Denver, Ben throws for 462 yards. I think they had a total of 500 yards, and there was a bunch of miscues, mistakes, right? Connor fumbling, Grimble getting the ball knocked out in the end zone, and then throwing the pick on the last play, but it never came down to Ben throwing the pick on the last play because they had golden opportunities the whole game. The game after that which was last week against the Chargers, they had a 16-point lead, and who blew that lead? Well, that's the defense, right? Because, you know, we don't have the right personnel to cover the receivers, so that cost us that game near the end. But you got to remember, that was a game where if Ben hits Justin Hunter, they're up by three touchdowns. If Sean Davis doesn't collide into Joe Hayden, most likely that's an interception. And Pittsburgh gets the ball back. So it's just a matter of a play or two here. That's been really the difference in that game. Yesterday's game, I think it's the same thing. Ben came in, drove them down the field. They had the lead. It was a fourth and goal. If someone comes up with a big stop there, they win the game. So it's a matter of one or two plays. That's the difference in the game. But, you know, everybody's saying the team stinks. The team's terrible. They don't have good defensive backs, this, that, and that. But you know what? How many teams this year would – how many – fans this year would love to have a team that's 7-5-1 and one, still in first place with three games left and if they could win two out of the three they got a shot at making the playoffs so there's plenty of teams that don't have that. Hey look at a great team last night like the Rams they only put six points on the board against the Bears so the one thing I think we got to understand is that any given week anybody could beat anybody and the best team doesn't always win it's the one that plays the best so if you play great for three quarters but you play horrible for the fourth quarter and the other team wins well then the best team might have not won, but it was the team that played the best that ended up winning. Now, I'd love to see what the point spread is going to be this week against New England because I'd be shocked if Pittsburgh is favorite. They shouldn't be at all. They were favored by 10.5 points yesterday, and they didn't even cover. They lost. So I'm curious to see if if New England is the favorite and Pittsburgh is the underdog, will they come out differently than they have the last three weeks? Is it possible that this team has been overconfident and that's caused them to lose the last three games because they think they're better than what they are or they feel they're a great team, and you, you should always be confident no matter what. But what I noticed yesterday, which was odd to me, was that they couldn't, the offense couldn't uh, open lanes to get the running game going. And I don't know if that's because of lack of, of, of running back debt or if it's just, I, I don't know what was going on there because the team they played yesterday, the Raiders are terrible against the rush. So I'm really, really surprised that we didn't have at least eighty rushing yards in that game, but it just seemed like the offense was having a tough time with that defense. Um throwing the towel I think is foolish. I think if they lose to New England next week, then we have a big problem because now, you know, we're really our backs are against the wall right now with three games to go. I think they know that they have to come out in this game and they have to show them who's boss and they have to be the bully. You know, they lost that game last year on that Jesse James play, and, and then Ben made that awful throw in the end zone that if they just kicked the field goal, they tied the game, and it goes to overtime. So I think that game's got to be on their mind saying, hey, look, this is our season. we got to win this game. Because if they can win the game Sunday, that boosts their confidence again. If they lose that game, I think their confidence is, is out the window, and then I, I don't see anything else happening. What are your thoughts?
3: Well, you know, Vito, I – I'm not throwing in the the terrible towel. I know a lot of fans are right now, but they throw it in when you uh they throw it in anytime they lose. They even throw it in. I know fans will throw it in when they uh barely win. Um that's just mm-hmm. the uh nature of the Pittsburgh pessimism. Um and and that's just you that's just a true statement. Um here's the thing. I I agree with you to a point. But where I don't agree with you is that it shouldn't, if you're a superior team, especially against Denver, who is back to being a sub-500 team, and especially against Oakland, shouldn't come down to one play. It shouldn't have come down to one thing. And that's, I mean, Los Angeles, they blew that big lead. It really shouldn't have come down to that. That's why... You know, my assessment. I said this a lot last week. This is a team that gives up when any sign of adversity comes at them, and I I feel like uh, I don't feel like the Steelers really gave up on offense yesterday. That's why I'm not going to kill the offense as much. But I'm uh, I'm I'm going after the coach this week, and I'm going after the kicker, and I'm going after the defense. And I just don't uh, I just don't know what it is. If it's a game of a play here, here and there, then they should be getting some of those too. I know they got it in Jacksonville, but since they won that barely won that game in Jacksonville, they they can't do anything and can't do anything right. I mean, I don't know whether it's a case of bad karma at this point when you have a kicker slipping, you have, but that's one thing. But a co- two coaches' decisions. And I, I never go after Mike Tomlin. And you've known me now on this podcast for three seasons, Vito. I don't go after him. But at this point, I do not understand why you continually mismanage the clock with timeouts. We saw it before when they lucked out and it worked against Jacksonville. But not calling a timeout against Oakland I, and letting them run down that clock? thinking that oh, we're going to stop them, we haven't seen any semblance of a stop at all in crunch time over the last three weeks with these blown leads. And you think your defense is going to come up now? No, they were hot. They, they were moving it right down the field. I, you call a timeout, and if you do, if you just had five precious seconds left, you might score a touchdown. You might win that game. I almost think Juju Smith-Schuster could have taken that ball the whole way, but he really he could have bowled somebody over even. But at that point, he knew he had to get out of bounds. So that clock mismanagement was one thing, and leaving your quarterback on the bench is another. And that's what I want to ask you. What were your thoughts when you saw Ben languishing on the bench? Because well, you're the guy that that week after week is saying that you have the franchise quarterback, you've got to believe in believe in this guy. And they showed
4: that they didn't. Well, two two thoughts go through my mind. Ever since we won big against Carolina, where we put over 50 points on the board, you notice, is it possible this team was overconfident to the point where they thought they could beat anybody? And the other thing is, is it possible that Ben was hurt and Tomlin was trying to save him and hoping that maybe Dobbs could get something done? Because remember the thing, Ben comes in that game and gets hurt and goes out, and you don't have him the next three weeks, what are your chances now of of making a a run at all? It's over, right? Do you you see Dobbs being the quarterback, winning any one of the next three games, New England, New Orleans, the Bengals? What are your thoughts on that? So would you rather have rested Ben and make sure he's 100% and bring him in for a couple of drives or bring him right back in even though he was cleared, risk him getting hurt, and now all of a sudden he can't play next week and maybe he can't play the week after because he needs to rest, and now there's a good possibility it was both of those games and it really didn't matter if they would have won. Because remember, if he comes back and he gets hurt, they probably still use they probably still lose the game yesterday. Then with Dobbs in next week and the week after, most likely they're not winning any one of those two games problem is you don't have a Le'Veon Bell to carry this team running the ball like you once did in the past. So you could kind of see that in a game like yesterday where Le'Veon Bell is definitely the missing link because we have no running game. So even with, you know, Samuels and Ridley, I mean, the guys, what did they they get, 30 yards of of rushing, if that? I truly think that there's a different team this year because of some of the moves that have been made and because maybe there was a little bit of cockiness in the beginning of the season, we went on a nice you know, uh, six-game six winning streak. And I think the guys got maybe a little bit too uh, overconfident. And I think now it's starting to come back and bite them ever since that Carolina game. Because if you notice, even though we lost the last three games, we were in all of them. But it seems like when it comes down to these final minutes, we're losing these games and and then there are people that have made comments saying that we've played a lot of bad teams and that's why we were lucky to win those six games in a row. I don't believe that because I think, you know, we have a good enough team to go up against anybody and give them a run for their money, but I think the problems we have now you're starting to see is it's definitely a coaching issue. It's definitely a personnel issue and I've said that. I said that a few times already. And and Tomlin, you know, has a habit of making mistakes at the wrong time. He proved it yesterday again. And the problem is when you play some of these better teams with good coaches, you got to be perfect. And just because Gruden is, it has a 2-10 and 10 team doesn't mean he can't out-coach Mike Tomlin. Because remember, he probably knows the Steelers' deficiencies. He knows their weaknesses, and I'm sure he was able to use it against them yesterday, and he did. That's why he was able to win. For a team like that, this was like a playoff game for them. And to be able to beat Pittsburgh because of the history, I think, was a big, huge, huge win for them in a bad season. What do you think?
3: No, I I believe it was their Super Bowl and I believe that could have uh I don't think he's going anywhere anyways, but that that could really boost up their season. Um now they they have a they have a uh two wins in what the last four games now. And so uh they could uh, they could be building on the two thousand nineteen and this is a good way to go. Tony, what do you, what do you think?
1: good about the Steelers' opponents, but why weren't the Chiefs their Super Bowl last week? You know, I mean, the Chiefs are their number one rival, and they couldn't beat the Chiefs. You know, and why doesn't Gruden know the weaknesses of everybody else, you know, all the other opponents that he, that he, that he faces every week? You know, so I just think it, it comes down to the Steelers. They self-destructed, you know, in yesterday's game in a lot of ways. And, and, you know, if you're the defense, you have to come up with a play every now and then. I mean, it's just ridiculous that you, you can't come up – with a, a, a pass defense or a, a key interception at a critical time, or just a, a, there. I mean, you know, fourth down, the tight end is wide open at the goal line. You know, I mean, it's it just it's just it's just so frustrating. And you know, as far as the, the timeouts, I agree with you 100%, Brian. You know, whether if they would have stopped them, let's say they stopped them there with a minute and 30 seconds to go, like for, or like a minute to go in the game, they stopped them on fourth down after Tom used all his timeouts. Well, the game's over anyway because the, the, the Raiders couldn't stop the clock again. I think they had one timeout left. So, absolutely, what, it's not second-guessing. At that time, I was saying they need to call a timeout right now. After the first down run, after the long pass inside the 10, they should call a timeout. So, to me, that was the poor coaching decision. And when you, you know, as far as saving Ben for, for New England, no. You had to win yesterday's game. You can't live in your fears, like Tomlin says. You, you, you If there was a two- or three-score lead there at that point, maybe. You keep Dobbs in there. You, you play a conservative uh, uh, offense, and you let the defense sort of. You, you try to you, you run the clock down. But with a four-point lead, uh, you, you can't you can't risk losing that game and, and trying to preserve Big Ben for next week because next week or yesterday you still have to win. You have to win as many games as you can now to get in, into the playoffs. So they should they should have put him back once he was said he was medically cleared. He should have went right back in the game. There's no reason for him. To stay on the sidelines, told told they they were behind like the Cincinnati playoff game a few years ago. He he had to be in that game. Well, you know what? You
3: both definitely have points there. Um, I'm just thinking they, you know, I understand not putting him in for the first series because he was late coming out, but uh, reevaluate and and. Maybe bring him back in earlier, not late on the 4th, when you absolutely have to, um, especially with him being medically cleared. But, I mean, that's that's a debate that can go on for a while. Um, we just got to keep believing, right, Vito? That's
4: it. That's all we could do. They say faith has right. nothing to do Thank with seeing, so nothing has to do with believing. Good evening, gentlemen. What, what was that? I'm sorry? I said faith has to do with believing, not seeing. Maybe maybe these guys surprise us the next few weeks. Who knows?
1: Amen to that. You know, they very well Amen. could.
3: And if I'm going to put my positive hat on, then I'm going to say, Tony, that you know this could be a, a New England team that is ripe for the picking. I just uh, have a hard time believing that a New England team loses two weeks in a row, especially the way they lost last week. But a lot of teams... A lot of people had a hard time believing Pittsburgh would lose three weeks in a row. So, you know, gosh, let's go back to the phones. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe this is where I. This is Nick from Marietta. Is this Nick?
2: It
0: is, guys. It is. Hey, um, what's up, buddy? And I'm going to ask you how you're doing because every time I listen to Talk Radio, it's pretty depressing. They ask how you're doing. Well, every (laughs) Steeler person, (laughs) Steeler Nation, knows how we're doing. Okay. Every week, it's been for four weeks now. But all right, I'm going to do my best because I've taken 24 hours, and I thought this Monday night I am not going to miss Brian and Tony. I'm going to make sure I give a call and uh, come up with some nice, coherent thoughts. Um, Number one, I just want everyone to think back. We all have our games and our moments, but think of some nice tendencies of the Mike Tomlin regime. We have a guy who historically, has his team play slow or not up to speed on after bye weeks, after the long buys for Thursday night games. He tends to never play starters to get that mojo going between like say a Ben and an Antonio Brown in a preseason. He's always quote saving them the last couple of years, or maybe it's been three out of five or four out of five. We always play Cleveland. So what he does and I've, and I said it was going to happen and this year. It was the year I predicted it. I've been saying this for years that, Cleveland's going to get good one year, and you can't use the first game of the year against Cleveland as your, quote, tune-up game. He uses he uses the Cleveland game as the last preseason or the third preseason game, you know, when you get your starters in. And he's been getting away with all that, uh, Mike Tomlin. And he's been getting away with it, not called on it, because, you know, yes, yeah, it's, it's worked, some close games and stuff, but it's worked. But he also knows that hardly anybody other than, you know, you're called names if you called for Mike Tomlin's firing before. He knows the ownership's got his back. Um, so with that said, and I think most people agree with that little groundwork, I'm going to get, and I believe me, I'm a very very flawed individual, but I do keep going back to my Catholic school upbringing and think of the parable of the three servants. And if those who don't, you know, frequent the church is often like myself, but you might, you know, a little refresher course, that's the parable or parable where there's the uh, master, and he has the three servants, and he gives the one five bags of silver, then the other one two, and the last one uh, a bag. And they all reply to him that after six months, the one says, I've doubled your money, sir, uh, master, and he says, oh, I'm proud of you. And then the other one says, I've doubled my two bags, and he says, oh, I'm proud of you. And the last one says, well, I knew you were you know, a hard, hard boss there, and I buried it because I didn't want to lose your money. And, of course, he gets quite upset saying, I gave you all this faith to do the right thing, and all you did was you were a coward and stuff like that. And I think the way Mike Tomlin definitely coached yesterday and his history like I laid out, I think that fits that uh, parallel pretty well because he keeps sitting there like example was yesterday. with Ben was ready to go in. Ben was cleared. We all know that. And he kept not taking the Oakland team lightly like he's done multiple times like how he coaches teams with losing records. They come out with these vanilla, bland, offensive things because he says, he, he, you know, it's almost as if he's thinking in his head, well, I don't want to use up, you know, I don't want to reveal my whole playbook. I don't want to pull out these plays. I'm saving them for the playoffs. I'm saving them for that stretch run, whatever. I think a big sense of urgency needs to be lit under Mr. Tomlin, and then that also goes into another person, which you guys have already hit on, uh, Coach Butler, Coach Butler, first of all, I, I'd fire. But that being said, Pittsburgh doesn't do those rash things. But what reminds me, and tell me, you guys were alluded to it, 2009 I thought was the season where we we were going pretty good, and then the defense kept collapsing, having all kinds of mistakes. And I remember there was a, co- a meeting, and I remember Harrison, especially because Harrison opened up about it, and Harrison said something like, with that meeting we just told him, stop being worried about giving up big plays. Let us just go attack. And then they won a couple of games after, and the defense just played differently. And I think that's the problem with Butler is that this defense, and if he is fired, believe me, I think people will talk and tell us if we're right. But I think that a lot of players are sitting there and would reveal so much that's really going on in those meetings and how disappointed they are because this guy throttles them. They're playing a defense that looks like a preseason defense. It's so, and, and, you know, and if you don't believe me because you're, you know, well, you know, you're just a fan, we're all fans, we're just watching, we're, you know, we watch a lot, we don't know for sure. Well, just listen to the feedback of the quality quarterbacks. The last couple of years, what have we had? We've had Brady, we've had Flacco, even we've had youngsters like Mahomes. Um, who's the other guy? Rivers. we uh, listen to them after the games and the interviews they give. They come right out and say, well, we knew, you know, what they were doing. We knew what they were doing to us. We figured them out. You know, it's it, we're, what they show us is what we're going to get. Even the young Mahomes said that after the game. I mean, so no offense, but this guy Butler, he's not obviously listening to what the enemy's saying and taking it in and trying to work off it. He's just being pigheaded and stupid. Um, with that, I'll let you comment, but I also have – the last bit I want to finish tonight. I'm going to tell you what solutions, because I'm not going to just sit there and spout off and not have some ideas on what we need to do.
3: Gentlemen, you know what? Actually, uh, yeah, you know what? I uh, actually, I, I want to hear those solutions. But I, I love what you said. I mean, I uh, the parables. I was, I mean, that was a great comparison. And there's, I, I can't argue with anything that you said, Nick. I mean, it's getting frustrating to us. Um, and let these guys play. And Butler, is it's time for Butler to go. He's been with his team a long time, and he hasn't gotten us there. Um, he's not gotten close. us there as a linebacker coach. But what's that?
0: Oh, he said not even close. I'm sorry, I coughed. <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh, no problem. But, no, I, 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 I can speak for Tony. I want
0: to hear your solution. Cause something's okay. We got to come up with something out of this. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't want to. I know a lot of people are thinking tomorrow Tuesday is going to be the day. At least kickers. Number one, you know, Bosworth is a lot. You know, he's liked. I know he's going through a tough time, but the players do have a camaraderie with the guy, and they do like him. As I've never heard anything negative. But just even if you're not going to go to this drastic move of you know cutting your losses right now bring in kickers, bring in three of them on Tuesday and Wednesday, have them start kicking just so that just from a management point of view, this job security and this, this whole feeling that nobody's on, you know, that nobody's untouchable. Um, Next, Foster out Finney in. If you go back and you look at this team, when they play Finney, that running game moves. Now I know that Finney might make a penalty more, or he might not be technical, you know, to the tee like you want or might have a little bad technique. But the guy is, you know, he's a poor man's to Castro. And that team spaces people out and moves them out. We were just somebody, I think it was Vio just talking about how the, everybody just clumped in the middle of the line in the last couple of games for the running game. Well, Finney, he moves. He can clear people out. A lot more agile. We need that, that I think, that athleticism. And he definitely doesn't give up that much more in terms of pass protection than Foster. Um, and then the last thing is, the Edmonds, hey, I know he's a rookie, but you know what? You need experience, and before Rodney Dangerfield, <laughs> I know people laugh, oh, God, he's the fifth, sixth guy in the defense backfield, but before he got hurt like two, two seasons ago in the preseason, the guy was making fumble recoveries, um, breaking up passes, he was playing opportunistic football, playmaking football. And I, he hasn't gotten that that, uh, that uh, spotlight. But I think a veteran who has been able to do some of that stuff, he's 27 years old, he's got some good size, but putting him in for some of the snaps for Edmonds to take him away because Edmonds is terrible in coverage. And Burnett, I think, you know what, it's, it's time just to go with a veteran who knows the defense, who hopefully won't be out of position and stuff. And those couple of things, one on the offensive side, one on the defensive side. That's got to be done. And going into this offseason, I'm sorry, but I do feel vindicated. I was on the old posting boards and stuff, ripping this team when after the first round they couldn't get their guy, and they didn't want to trade up for a Van Der And I was saying, wow, this is really weird. You suddenly change your whole strategy. And, of course, Colbert says, oh, no, there's no linebackers. We thought that were worthy after our top guys went out. As I'm watching guys like Gerald Avery and Fred Warner go and stuff like that. And he made that statement that nobody else is worthy. And yet, these players have. So it's time this offseason to sit there and just bite the bullet and say, hey, you know what, we had a nice idea of playing five and six defensive backs all the time. But no, we really do need an athletic linebacker. And if one comes open in the offseason or has problems with their team like Ogletree, I couldn't believe when the Rams got rid of him and I couldn't believe the price that the Giants got him for. But something like that, has got if you can't get it in the draft, you got to be aggressive and get them, because this team would look totally different if we had a fast, quick guy with size in the middle. It'd be a totally different defense, like a la Shazier. <laughs> so those are my uh, solutions, and of course there's more, but that's just a you know, that's just shooting off the hip right now. Things have got to be done.
3: Well, you know what? Very good, thank you, Nick. Here's here's my thing. I've uh, I haven't thought of the Finney thing because I've I'm. All we, I'm still high on Ramon Foster, but I would like to look at that because that's, you know, that's something right there that you can think about. Yeah, he does. they do seem to move the chains a whole lot more. Finney is a road grader, and uh, he gets things done. So, I mean, that, that could be a possibility. The defensive back, yeah, I mean, I'd bring in a guy like Dangerfield. I, uh, I really wasn't considering that one either, but Edmunds is playing a lot right now. And maybe give somebody else another look that can help you. I mean, you're always talking about giving another look. You do that with a wide, with a third wide receiver all the time. You're shuffling those guys around. Maybe bring someone else in, give someone else a chance, see if it sparks. When they did that in the uh, in the Jacksonville game to have him help the run, he did very well, and that was one of the uh, unsung um, players of the game, Jordan Dangerfield at that point. So yeah, I w- I would agree with that. And if they don't spend money in the offseason after having all this money, they don't go out and be aggressive in the market, which they typically don't do. Um, they typically wait to get the, uh, the guys with injury question marks like a Morgan Burnett, um, like a Darius Green. They, they, they bring those guys in because they get them at a lower price because teams have passed on them. That can't happen with this Le'Veon Bell money that they have. They've got a lot of money that is freed up now. They've got a lot of cap room. They've got to go do it in the off season and that's gonna be a must. And the other thing that I'll just add, the uh the butler thing has to happen sooner or later. I know they typically don't do it in the in in season, but maybe it's time to change that up too, because you're going nowhere with this guy. And uh the only place you're going is home for the holidays, basically, and uh, not having a, having a lot of time to play golf in the off season, and that's just ridiculous to me. Don't sacrifice the season. So, thank you so much, Nick. We will talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Great All right, step, thanks, Nick. buddy. Tony, follow that yes, up. What do, you, what do you think?
1: Makes a lot of good points. What's that? Um, I said He makes a lot of great points. I mean, it's you know, as far as the defense is concerned, you know, we talked about this earlier in the year when they were struggling. They're at their best when they're aggressive. You know, which Nick Nick mentioned. They're they're playing. It seems like they're playing so passive. You know, you, you know, how many times did the announcer say yesterday? How can you leave Jared Cook wide open? How could Jared Cook be so wide open on this play or that play? And and you know, their philosophy seemed to change a couple of years ago where they want they wanted to bring in guys that were really good at man to man, tight man to man coverage. And you're not seeing that right now. I don't know if that's because. They don't trust like a Cody Centabal. They don't trust an Edmonds because he's a rookie. I, I don't know what it is, but you know they're, play, they're they're playing not to give up the big play, and they're they're so worried about that that they're they're giving up so many eight nine ten yard plays over the middle that are wide open, and it's just it's just it's having the same effect. It's just taking a little bit longer, you know. So I think you have to be more have, have to adopt what you what your what your defense is good at is being aggressive, and they're not doing that right now. And why that is, I have no idea, but you're right. At the end of the year, they have to make a serious change or seriously consider getting a new defensive coordinator and changing the philosophy because it's simply not working right now.
3: Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. There's, I mean, there's nothing more you can say. I would actually want to see it happen now, but um, I would do it. In two thousand
2: and eighteen, and just be done with it at this point,
3: um, let's go to our next caller. This is one of our favorite callers um, actually we uh we ran early last week, and we cut off the show at forty five minutes and The minute that I ended the show, Ken from Jersey pops up, and so I texted him and uh told him sorry we uh we had nothing else going on and uh but make sure you get in next week so Ken, I'm glad to have you back this week. We missed you last week, buddy.
2: Hey, guys. Glad to be back. Definitely. How are you guys doing?
3: Well, we're we're hanging in there. <laughs> I'm off of the ledge, exactly. at least.
2: <laughs>
3: Vito got me off the yeah. ledge. That's, that's, that's uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't miss, know what Vito's impression you know, was, but even, uh,
2: get on. <laughs> he,
3: he could be that guy that the, he could probably work for the uh, – Work for the police department and uh, get get jumpers <laughs> off ledges because he always calls a, me the, the negotiator. Um,
2: Vito's the negotiator. Yeah, he, yeah.
3: <laughs> So what's go? Uh, what are your thoughts, man?
2: <clears throat> so first, man, like Nick was Nick was fired up. I was just listening, like, wow, I, I've never heard Nick like that. So he, he's a uh, he's <laughs> he's reached his tipping point, man. Um, so I was uh, I just want to comment on something he said because it, it actually dawned on me. Um, Then I'll get into kind of the game. But um, when he said about Colbert, you know, with the draft pick, like uh, we didn't think they they were, you know, someone was uh, worth going up that far. And we hear it all the time. I think yesterday was a – I kind of like to look at perspective, like bring perspective to the analysis. It's like yesterday showed – it gave us a glimpse inside their mentality, and they do have, from the top down, the Steelers have kind of this air about them that we're the Steelers. We're the Steelers. So, from not going up and getting um, maybe impact players in the draft, from, you know, from uh, trading up, to not paying more guaranteed money, to resting Ben on the side, Ben not going in, and kind of a wink wink, whether it was a wink wink thing with him. And saying, oh, I want to see, I want you guys to see how much you really, you know, you missed me before I'm ready to go back in. And Tomlin saying, well, whatever, you know, wh- whatever it is. Like, there's something there. It, it has, to, I think yesterday kind of showed us that. And that's unfortunate because you're putting other things above the rest of the guys and actually winning football games. The one thing I will say about New England, they are committed to winning by any means necessary. That's what their commitment is. It's not to anything else, not about looking good, not about ego and all of that stuff. It's really about just winning. And, you know, the teams that are committed to winning, those are the ones who win consistently and big. So that's something that, you know, kind of was revealed to me yesterday. Look, as far as the game, um, with these type of games, all of the stuff that happened throughout most of the game, none of it was surprising because these things happen in Steeler games. And the, at the end, with the field goal, obviously, um, Tomlin not really calling a timeout. Um, that last defensive drive, I, I I was saying, why is he letting it run all the way down? You know, I, I didn't get it. Like, why not call the timeout? If they do score a lead, then a minute or 50 seconds to try to get a touchdown. But we, you know how lucky we're we talking about Boswell flipping on the field goal. You know how lucky we are to even be in that position to kick the field goal? They, they started, it was 21 seconds left, and they kicked it short, and Switzer returns it for, like, 15 yards, and it's 15 seconds left. In one play, for Juju to get down there, like, they, they, they would normally, nine times out of ten, you wouldn't even have that shot to kick the field goal. So imagine that conversation, with the clock management. Now we're talking about bods and bringing in kickers. Yeah, that sucks too, but that's horrible clock management. This, You know, we, we can't keep putting ourselves in this position. And his explanation, I want to jump through the my iPhone and slap him in the face. Like, are you serious? <laughs> are you serious, man? Like, we had a rhythm when the game flow. W- what game flow? Punt, punt interception, what game flow? Turnover on downs? What are you talking about? Like, I I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It makes no sense. It's just like, I I just wonder if he, like, watches himself in the press conference and, like, all right, or does he have somebody that kind of checks him? You know, like, I I wonder if that's going on, if, if he's just left to, you know, unchecked, you know, because some of the stuff is just like, all right, enough already. Like this was this these things were happening in like two thousand thirteen. Like we're in twenty eighteen. This can't be happening. He has to progress as a coach. And can we honestly say that he's progressed as a coach within the last two or three years? I mean, it's the same thing. So I think he's capable of it. But I think he needs a kick in the butt, you know. So that's kind of my overall thing. A lot of these things that happen are symptoms, I mean, you see how talented we are for us to go down and score and then to get Boz in field goal, field position. Um, you know, if Boz doesn't slip, maybe he makes the field goal. We don't know. So I'm not ready to get rid of Boz yet. Um, I still believe in him. It's like it's a nervous belief, but I still believe in him. And, um, if he gets through this year, I think if he can last through the year, I think he'll be fine, but he's has to get through this year um and with the off season, they go to a shrink or something and kind of get it together. But that's my overall thoughts, man, but we have an arrogance that's coming to bite us in the in in the behind this year
1: um and
2: we need to change some things we need to change our philosophy with free agents. We need to change our philosophy with going up in the draft or or trading back. we got to change our our philosophy because the times are, um, you know, they're catching up to us, and now other teams are getting ahead of us in some of these things.
3: Well, for me, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's time for this team to take a look at the man in the mirror or the men in the mirror and just go ahead and – and make that change that they need to make to get things better. You know that that's just the bottom line to it. This team is they're languishing and they're they're going off of an old bully reputation. Like you said, hey, we're the Steelers. Can't talk to us like that. Can't do that to us. We're the Steelers. We I mean it's we're six-time champions. Hey, Six-time champions don't mean anything right now in 2018 when you're losing to the 2-10 Oakland Raiders. You know, doesn't mean a thing. So, you know, can I agree with you? I think changes need to be made. Um, I agree with Nick, too. Bring kickers in. March them past his locker, maybe. You know, make sure that he sees that these guys are coming in. If you want to, I mean, look, this, this guy is uh, he's in his mid-20s. You know, he's old enough to know that he's got a responsibility. He doesn't even have words for it. I know he's frustrated, but at least put a scare into him if you're not going to pull the trigger. Um, something has got to give. He needs some kind of uh, Mark Gray slump buster. I don't know what he needs, but he needs something. Um, and if you don't know what a Mark Gray slump buster is, uh, Google that because it's quite Yeah, that's over
2: my head. I, but, I have no idea what that is. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Google it. Uh, you'll either right. be really offended or you'll you'll laugh like crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, yeah, just you know or YouTube. But I'm sure it's on YouTube. Um, it, it's very it, it, it lives on the edge too, but it, it's really good. But Bob needs something. But what? Ken, let me ask you this: What's worse to you? Was it? I thought I actually thought the timeouts were um, like taking a time time out home on the plane was worse than uh, uh, delaying Ben. But then I go back and forth. But at this point, you you were that stubborn, and I think Mike Tomlin right now is living in that stubbornness, and that's that's even worse than living in your fears.
2: Maybe you start living yeah. in your fears. It's it's you know what it, his Achilles heel is his arrogance. That's his Achilles yeah. heel, and um, that's worse. It's the arrogance of, you know, Ben. See, so I didn't – I was working, and I didn't start watching the game. I went to a, a sports bar after I got off, and I got in like two minutes left in the third quarter. So, but I'm watching the, the play-by-play updates on my on the app, and I'm seeing Dobbs. I'm like, oh, yeah, what happened to Ben? What happened to Ben? And I found hmm. out later that he's been on the sideline. Since the you know he came out, if I, if I was watching that and saw that, I would think, oh, there's no way he can come back in. So, so for him to come back in later, I would have been scared. And to see him go down, I'm like, hold on now. I know Ben wants to you know come in and ride off into the sunset and be the hero. So what what does this tell us? What is, you guys, the fan base is not stupid. So that's definitely we can talk about bars all we want we can talk about <clears throat> this no ball skills secondary all we want they have no ball <laughs> skills at all nope but um <laughs> they'll be in position and just swat i don't i don't i don't understand they don't even sniff the ball but um that's just arrogance because you know what if they weren't arrogant we can overcome some of this other stuff but you know it's costing us games now so um it it's you know, it that was a bad loss, is one of the worst that I can remember. It's a bad loss. Maybe top three I'd say, um, in in the common era because of the things that unfolded, in my opinion.
3: Well you know what, um we are running out of time, but let me ask you this really quick.
2: Can they save this season? Do they what? Can they save this season? Yeah, oh, so this is my prediction. They'll beat New England, they'll beat the Saints, and they'll lose to the Bengals, and they'll be the fourth seed. That's my prediction.
3: Well, I think any any
0: of us would take that.
2: Um, oh, I'll sign my final, name and right
1: now. That's how the so team is. <laughs> All right,
2: guys.
3: I, I, you, I actually think they can back that up, so thanks. As always, great insight by that fellow from Jersey, Ken. I uh, I love what he calls in, and uh, you know he really he really has good insight. We have we have three callers tonight, and there are regulars. We could always count on Nick. We could always count on Vito. We could always count on Ken, and they all bring something different. But they bring a very good positivity to them too, and I think that's what we need to remember as Steeler Nation, and uh, continue to be positive. I know Tony, you and I. Uh, tend to try to do that as well. I know this is probably the most frustrated um either one of us has sounded but um yes. it's getting it 's getting to the point where uh only the only uh genetic lottery that i 've won is my hair i 'm forty seven years old and the <laughs> the hair will be here if I make it to ninety but
4: uh,
3: but everything else is uh i i lost those lotteries. And I almost pulled out all of my hair during this
2: game. Um, it, it was, and
3: I used, I wasn't even mad after the Los Angeles game. wasn't mad after the Denver game, but I was actually livid yesterday because of because of the things that we talked about this entire show. I do want to mention something positive, and we uh, we never ended up giving offensive grades, and you know what. At this point, they lost the game. There's no reason to. But I want to hand out the valedictorian. And Juju Smith-Schuster is the teen MVP this year. I love what he puts into a game. I love everything about this guy. And uh, everybody needs some Juju in their life. That's, uh, that was a quote from Alejandro Villanueva last year. And I tell you what, what a gift. They got in the second round of the 2017 draft with this guy. Uh, Once again, another fantastic performance. Eight catches, 230 yards, and he caught two touchdown passes from bad balls thrown by Ben. So, uh, Juju, you know, I got to give him props. Uh, We're running out of time here, Tony. So, uh, real quick, your prediction for
1: next week's game uh they, they have to win, so I'm going to say 28-24. Um, you know, the, the Patriots are definitely beatable right now. It's just a matter of are the Steelers the team that beat them. We'll find out next week.
3: You know what? I, I like I like 28-24. I could go real close to be different, but you know what? I don't want to. I'm going to just copy you and say 28-24. Let's just go in an agreement, and maybe that will bring them some uh, some more good juju. How about that? Sounds good. As always, thank you, uh, Tony Duffio. For Tony, for Behind the Steel Curtain, I'm Brian Anthony Davis, and my friends, you've just been hungover. We'll see you next week.